Hello and welcome to Natural Health with CNM, the College of Naturopathic Medicine. I'm your host, Michelle Sanchez. And today's episode, I'm joined by nutritional therapist and CNM graduate, Lauren Windas. Lauren will be sharing her incredibly inspiring story of how she overcame a battle with ME, more commonly known as chronic fatigue syndrome, and the dietary and lifestyle measures she took to improve her health. Lauren will also be discussing how she's built a thriving well-being brand. Lauren is a nutritional therapist and naturopath and the co-founder of holistic well-being company, Ardoray, which offers expert nutritional therapy services and aromatherapy self-care products. Lauren works with clients in her private clinic to support them with their diet and lifestyle. She specializes in chronic fatigue syndrome, ME, digestive issues and disordered eating. Hi, Lauren. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today to share your inspiring health journey. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Michelle. So chronic fatigue syndrome has become more prevalent and it's such a debilitating condition for many people as they're plagued with this extreme tiredness, making getting through the day a real struggle. So I'm really looking forward to hearing how you overcame chronic fatigue and what your advice is to others experiencing the same. But firstly, though, please tell us a little bit about yourself, how your health journey began and what led you to study nutrition and naturopathy. Yeah. So for me, the journey really started probably about eight years ago now, back in 2012. This was actually whilst I was studying English literature at university. And so it was my second year. I always remember this so significantly. I remember starting my second year and coming back to university and basically coming unwell with a really severe viral infection, which it almost felt like one of the worst kind of flus that I've ever experienced. And I remember being sent home for three weeks to go back home to Yorkshire and rest. Mm -hmm. And whilst I kind of overcame some of the worst flu type symptoms and kind of got over that, I went back to university and I just never felt the same. It was as though my health was in a spiral of decline, really. And I was starting to suffer with symptoms from obviously the severe fatigue to brain fog, which is a really hard symptom to describe, but it's almost where you feel constantly hungover um, and you like forgetting <laughs> things. Your mind is foggy. You can't make sense of reality. It's almost like you're walking in a, in a dream really, um, which was mm. such a really strange symptom, surreal symptom that I'd never experienced before. I was getting things like muscle aches and pains. So my whole body was hurting. It was as though I'd ran a marathon when I hadn't exercised for however many weeks um, due to becoming unwell. And then, I mean, I'd always had digestive issues, so IBS, but that was something I'd already had, but those got a lot worse and my digestive issues got worse. I started to have a lot of food intolerances and sensitivities to chemicals around me, followed by symptoms of anxiety as well and dizziness. So all kinds of different wow. symptoms, which, you know, were just as a result of this trigger from this virus that I just thought I'd overcome. But I went back to university, just not feeling the same. And after going to see various different doctors, I really struggled to find answers. They did all of the standard blood tests, you know, the routine testing, but everything just came back normal. So what do you do when your health's in such a state, but you're not necessarily finding the answers through the GPs? So, you know, it wasn't until years down the line that a doctor mentioned the word ME to me. And I wasn't really left with many avenues to kind of go through on the conventional route to really get my health back. And I was almost kind of given the message, you know, you've got to just live with this. And I thought, oh, God, this mm. can't be my life. And it was severely affecting my ability to do my degree. 
I at one point nearly had to consider dropping out. And it was just a really scary place to be. And luckily, my mum, being so worried as she was, she'd always had an interest in nutrition. And that's when she kind of shed light on an alternative approach. And since then, I started working with functional medicine practitioners and naturopaths and nutritional therapists to really uncover what the root was of a lot of my health issues. And I have made a lot of changes with my diet and lifestyle moving forwards to kind of get to where I am today, which I'm now so, so grateful to be in a position where I'm able to work full time and run a business. And so I'm starting to now see a lot of the positives out of that situation where I've spent really the past kind of six to seven years putting the, the jigsaw puzzle pieces of my health, really. And so, yeah, that's what led me to train as a practitioner in nutritional therapy and naturopathy myself at CNM and into launching my business with my sister, Ardere. Fantastic. What an inspiring story. And it's amazing how you've come along those, that journey. And now not only have you got a thriving business, but you're also thriving yourself. But yep. We're going to hear a little bit more a bit later on about the steps that you took to overcome that chronic fatigue. So do you think it was the viral infection that triggered it? So was it like a cold or flu? What was it exactly? Yeah. Well, I mean, there are, I guess, a lot of kind of things that come into play when it comes to ME and chronic fatigue. And the thing is, and this is why it can be so difficult for doctors to treat because it is so multifaceted and so, so complex. And every single person with it is entirely different. And that is why it's so difficult to treat. But, you know, generally speaking, most people that have ME have a predisposition for it. There may be some genetic factors that are involved. Um, but secondly, there would be a viral or bacterial infection. So for some, it might be Epstein-Barr virus. For others, it would be Lyme or Borrelia infections. So there's a lot of things that can kind of come into play. But typically, most people that have ME, myself included, I became unwell after kind of catching a virus. And you know, that was compounded by a stressful life event at the time. I remember being at university stressful enough in itself, but I remember having a, yeah. an emotional stressor with my ex-boyfriend at the time, nearly breaking things off with me. And I think first love syndrome being my first boyfriend, <laughs> I just really took it badly. But I think the virus made me particularly susceptible to stress and I wasn't able to cope. So I think that predisposition compounded by the viral infection compounded by stressful life events really triggered my nervous system into this state of overdrive, which caused a lot of various downstream symptoms, which were just perpetuated. And it's that vicious cycle that you're constantly in that you're trying to kind of fight and get away from. And it's trying to get the body into a healing state. So yeah, I'd say it's, it's multifaceted really. But I think for me, it was that viral trigger. Yeah, absolutely. And as you've mentioned, it's that cascade of events and all the stress, you've got lowered immune function and then exactly. things spiral, don't they? Okay, well, we're going to hear more about that later on, which is very exciting. Just going back to your time at CNM, because you studied the naturopathic nutrition diploma. Was there a particular thing you learned on the course that was like a light bulb moment for you? Yeah, well, my time at CNM, I found it really did actually facilitate the healing process because I remember being at university and luckily, obviously, I was so grateful to be able to get through my degree amidst every kind of health battle I was going through. But I realized at the end of that, that I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do career-wise, but I knew that based on this experience that I'd had, I wanted to study nutrition and I, I didn't know what that career that would lead me down. I just was like, I need to explore this further. And so what I really aligned with was CNM's holistic model, 
and the whole ethos that we need to treat the person and the cause, not the symptoms. So it's really looking holistically and looking at the root of the issue, which is really kind of that aligned with my journey of, you know, putting the jigsaw pieces together of what was actually happening to me because it was so multifaceted and it wasn't one sole cause. So that's what I really, I feel like was a light bulb moment for me in terms of my learning process there. And then also just being able to meet so many like-minded individuals who had a similar journey to me um, and were on a similar path when it comes to, you know, kind of recovering their health. Absolutely. As you say, you're going on that journey together and that helps cement that learning as well, doesn't it? Because you're all there supporting each other, trying things out. Yeah, you're so right. And I think having a supportive network and community around you is absolutely key when it comes to recovering from any chronic illness. I know myself, there was a lot of times where I had, I guess, judgments from other people because they didn't necessarily understand what I was going through. A lot of my close friends, I actually lost a lot of my close friends due to, I guess, misunderstandings. Because if you don't look unwell, and for some people, you know, they thought that I looked fine and I looked perfectly healthy, when obviously that wasn't the case. And it's just trying to kind of retrain people's thinking that actually you don't have to look unwell to be unwell. And so it was really nice at CNM to have that really supportive community where everybody just really understood each other. Yeah. And you're all just on the same wavelength, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it must have been very challenging because I think at uni when it's all about partying and you're not living quite such a healthy lifestyle, that must have been really hard having to deal with all that in your 20s. Yeah, exactly. That summarizes it to the point, really, because I think for me, that's what I struggled with the most was, you know, I wanted to make all these changes. I almost had to because I was so poorly. (laughs) But there was that resistance because obviously I just wanted to be out there doing what everybody else was doing and being able to go out and get drunk and party, like you say, and this, that and the other. And so it was just really nice to have that supportive community around me that just really got it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now since graduating from CNM, you and your sister Nicole built a very successful well-being brand, Ardere, and you also have a thriving nutritional therapy practice. So how did you get started and what took you in this direction? So yeah, I'd say it's a kind of a combination. Me and my sister were really, really close. I mean, we actually went through university together in the same city, Newcastle, and then we moved down to London together. And we kind of combined our own personal experiences with health because we're very, very similar. So obviously I was battling with my ME and my sisters had her own personal battles with stress and anxiety in her early 20s. And we just realized that, you know, there isn't one avenue to health. It's so multifaceted. Everybody's biochemically unique. And you can't address that with just one avenue, whether that's food, whether that's exercise, whether that's mindset. And so what we did with Ardere, our fundamental premise was just to promote self-care and health optimization. So whether that's coming to see me in clinic for a nutritional therapy consultation, to lighting one of our candles in the bath using our aromatherapy products, to making a delicious healthy recipe on our website, it's all about just taking that time out for you, nurturing your mind and body. And I think for us, that was our fundamental premise and also just to educate people as well. So, you know, provide a platform that has trustworthy information and evidence-based nutritional advice. Amazing. And I love your candles just look beautiful. I haven't smelled one, but um, (laughs) no, but they look stunning. And you're offering that well-rounded service, aren't you? You've got the recipes, you've got the nutrition, you're talking about the lifestyle. And that's one of Ardere's brand messages, isn't it? Your lifestyle can be your medicine. I really love that. 
Yeah, because as naturopaths, we know that lifestyle as well as diet impacts our health and an unhealthy lifestyle can be just as much damage as an unhealthy diet. So how do you inspire your clients and customers to adopt a healthy lifestyle? Well, I'd say, again, it works on a case-by-case basis because we're all so different and what works for one person doesn't work for the next. And I think this is why I'm so fascinated in mindset and psychologies because really looking at that one individual in front of you and that one client that's in front of me and saying, okay, what is it that's stopping you reaching your goals or being able to make certain changes? Because most often people have a set ideology around food or exercise or whatever it may be that's holding them back. And it's trying Mm -hmm. to uncover and explore what it is that's holding them back from making those changes. It might be a set belief system that they've had since childhood or since they've been raised by their parents or, you know, what they've kind of gone through in their life experiences that really either inhibits or facilitates change. And I think that's super important to explore as an aspect when it comes to promoting a healthy lifestyle, because you know, it's easy for me to say, do this, do that, you know, eat more vegetables, drink more water, but actually what are the blocks in place that's stopping them from getting there already? Because most people more often than not know what a healthy diet looks like, but it's actually, how do they get there? So yeah, that's essentially my process really is trying to uncover the blocks. Absolutely. Yeah. Mindset is huge. And I think that's what stops a lot of people from moving forward and making the changes. So let's now move on to chronic fatigue syndrome and ME. You had that for many years. Now, for those listeners who aren't familiar with the term ME, so that's myalgic encephalomyelitis, that's such a mouthful. (laughs) Um, Can you please explain exactly what ME is and what causes it? And I know you touched on some of the causes with the viral, et cetera, but can you just talk us through that in a little bit more detail? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, you've used the term myalgic encephalomyelitis. So first of all, There are a lot of terms that go around when it comes to ME. You'll hear myalgic encephalomyelitis or or ME is the abbreviation, ME-CFS, so chronic fatigue syndrome. You might also hear post-viral fatigue syndrome, chronic fatigue, immunodysfunction, or systemic exertion intolerance disease. So these are all absolute mouthful words. But essentially, the most kind of commonly known terms is like ME-CFS. So to kind of unpack that a little bit, Myalgic, for myalgic encephalomyelitis, myalgic actually means muscle pain. Encephalo means brain and myelitis basically means inflammation. And so that was, I guess, theorized by some medical doctors as a term that refers to the illness, meaning that it causes muscle pain and inflammation of the brainstem and spinal cord. Whilst this is very open to debate, because we have some people in certain camps saying, ME doesn't necessarily represent the nature of the illness. There's others that would say chronic fatigue syndrome, on the other hand, doesn't clarify the the severity of the disease. So, you know, it's interchangeable in terms of the words that are typically used. But how I define it is that ME is essentially a chronic illness that affects multiple body systems from the nervous system to the endocrine system to the immune and the digestive system and can cause myriad different symptoms. So the World Health Organization would classify ME as a neurological condition, but we know it affects multiple bodily systems. And yet some medics and some healthcare professionals would posit the illness as an autoimmune disease. So there's a lot of theory and debate that surrounds ME, which is why it's a very controversial illness that a lot of medics don't fully understand. And there's still a lot more research that needs to be done around it. 
So I guess what I could say is the jury's still out, but my definition is that it's a chronic illness that affects multiple body symptoms, as I've just described, but they can cause various different symptoms. Okay, now that's a good explanation because <laughs> I think there's a lot of confusion, as you said, a lot of confusion around that. And a lot of people are calling it the chronic fatigue syndrome and they do just think it is just fatigue. But as you said, it can affect your whole body. You know, you get muscle and joint pain, stomach issues, headaches, you know, a myriad of symptoms. So if you are experiencing any of those symptoms, it's best to go and see your healthcare practitioner to get some tests. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I wanted to just quickly touch upon the symptoms, if you didn't mind. Um, yes, please. And just, just to talk through those, because I think it would really benefit our listeners. Um, Absolutely. From the symptoms, as Michelle was saying, you don't necessarily just get severe fatigue. Obviously, that is one of the most the cardinal symptoms of the illness. And actually, we can refer that as post-exertional malaise, which is almost a form of payback. It's that's defined as like any form of exertion where you kind of do some form of activity or exercise. It could be as simple as walking to the shops for some severe ME sufferers. Um, so any form of exertion for them can result in a severe fatigue or a crash as an aftermath. So that's one of the cardinal features of ME. But in addition to the fatigue, you could get muscle aches and pains, frequent colds and infections because obviously your immunity is lowered, digestive issues such as IBS. You might get cognitive issues, so brain fog where you know, you're not able to think straight, which is something that was really severe for me. Ear problems, so you could get vertigo or dizziness or inflammation and blockages in your ears anxiety, headaches, problems with sleep, chemical light and noise sensitivities, and also food sensitivities. So you could literally write four pages on how many symptoms that are occurring. And because it's a functional disorder, it's basically affecting the way the body's able to function. So that's why you get so many different functional issues thrown up, like digestive issues to temperature dysregulation and sweating a lot or feeling cold a lot. So it really affects the body's ability to function on a day-to-day basis. And so, yeah, it's a really difficult situation to be in and there's a lot more research that needs to be done around it. Absolutely. And you can see how some people experiencing this just struggle to even get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, 25% of the ME population are housebound or in a wheelchair or even bedbound. So, you know, there's a lot of people really severely impacted and it's worrying, you know, it's I was, I'd say, moderate to severe at times. And at one point, I did spend a lot of days in bed, but I wasn't at the point where I was in a wheelchair or was housebound as such. So I was a little bit more mobile than some ME sufferers. But it's a horrible situation to be in. Some people are like this for years on end and something really needs to be done about it. And we need to have more awareness and more education. You know, it affects 250,000 in the UK with many more to go undiagnosed. So it's a real big problem. Absolutely. As you say, you know, so many people don't know what to do, where to turn to for information. So the doctor's sort of saying, oh, well, that's it. You've got this and there's nothing that can be done. If they haven't gone out and done some research themselves, then some people are just living with this. And that's really sad. You're so right. Yeah. And I think some people don't have the energy to do that research and get that support. So there's a lot that needs to be done for sure. Absolutely. So tell us, what dietary and lifestyle measures did you take to overcome ME? Yeah, so with me, in terms of my diet, and first of all, what I kind of wanted to say is that, you know, with ME, there is no, in my opinion, there is no set diet for everyone. You'll find there are people that have benefited from going vegan or vegetarian 
to those who have eliminated dairy. So, you know, we're all entirely unique and what works for one may not work for another. And again, this is why I always go back to the idea of personalization and and also the reason it's so difficult for a lot of doctors to treat because everybody's got a unique body and a unique physiology. So for me, what I did is I went on an elimination diet. So I actually removed dairy for a period of time, gluten. I looked at removing and stripping back refined sugar, alcohol, caffeine. So kind of like the common functional medicine elimination diet, which is basically, I guess, paleo. So at one point, I looked at removing grains and legumes. So this was a very strict intervention. And I did adhere to it very strictly for, I want to say, about two to three years at one period. And I, you know, was kind of experimenting here and there. But the non-negotiables really was things like the alcohol, the caffeine and the gluten, and obviously kind of getting rid of the sugar and the refined carbs. So just kind of taking it back to basics, really, just having, it was funny because I was actually a vegetarian, well, pescatarian for a large majority of my life for about 18 years. And then I actually had to make the change just to introduce meat because you know, I was having a lot of digestive issues. I'd gone through a lot of functional testing. So I did um, a stool test with a laboratory and I found that I had disruptions within my microbial environment. So dysbiosis, I had a parasitic infection. So I was really looking at the types of foods that I was eating on a pescatarian diet, which was actually a lot of cheese, a lot of refined pastry, you know, those types of foods that I just really kind of wanted to relook at. So what I did was, as I said, I went on this paleo plan and I just kind of stripped it back to basics. So I was having things like lean proteins, like fish and chicken, not a lot of red meat, which is not something I obviously had previously anyways, but I was quite comfortable eating the chicken and the fish. And then obviously just have building my plate around that. So obviously having half of my plate with vegetables, you know, whether it was fresh beetroot or peppers and salads, perfect in the summer and the hot weather. <laughs> and yeah, and taking out things like caffeine. I mean, I never really drank a lot of caffeine, but I would drink green tea. So I used to kind of switch that out for peppermint tea or lemon and ginger. And yeah, and then just kind of removing a lot of the refined sugars. So cakes and biscuits were off the table and all of those kinds of things and just making smart swaps and having like fresh fruit. Basically, what I'd kind of say is the paleo plan really helped me, but I've been able as I've regained my health to reintroduce certain foods back again, just so that I was allowed more balance into my life because I'm such a foodie and I, I think food brings so much joy to our lives. And so whilst at one period of my life, I was very, very strict. And that was because I was very unwell and I was having a lot of food sensitivities. And I almost had to follow that plan just because of my illness, really. But fortunately, since I've kind of regained my health, I've been able to be a bit more balanced in my approach. So we've kind of introduced a little bit of good quality dairy back into the diet, like feta cheese and kefir or Greek yogurt, and then easy to digest grains like sourdough bread, for example, or rye here and there. And then obviously that odd glass of wine, which I'm really fortunate because like so many years ago, I never would have dreamed of being able to eat these types of foods. So it just goes to show that as you move forwards in your health journey, things don't always have to be as totalitarian as you once thought. I also would want to go on to talk about the gut as well, which is key. So just to say about the gut and exploring the, as I said before, the environment with my gut, experimenting with things like probiotics, fermented foods, that was also really key for me. So things like kimchi and kefir, and also switch from a lifestyle perspective, switching to like natural products and just lowering my toxic load from that point of view. 
So I tried to switch out having aluminium deodorants, um, switching for brands that, you know, are a bit more ethical and a bit more in alignment with my ethos and, you know, what I was putting on my skin and also what you're putting in your home as well. Absolutely. That's really important because I think especially if your immune system has gone a bit haywire, adding extra toxins by lathering your skin in all these products or breathing things in, and especially the environment, as you say, the deodorant is key, especially aluminium, because if you're using a spray one, not only are you breathing that in, you're also getting it in through the skin under your arms. So Totally, yeah. Absolutely. I think, yeah, healing the gut up, reducing the toxic load, and going back to basics with the diet. And I know that that will be hard for people, but in your case, you didn't have a choice. And a lot of other people out there who are experiencing chronic fatigue, if you want to see some changes, you really got to strip it back and make those changes to your diet. And it isn't just for a couple of weeks, is it? As you say, you did it for two to three years. Yeah, you're so right. And I think because I was so unwell, it almost had to, it was kind of needs must. You know, I really had to kind of follow that strict approach. And for me, you know, my only kind of mindset was like, I need to, I need to do this to get better. But at the same time, I had thought in the back of my mind, if only I was able to drink that glass of wine, or if only I was able to have that cake at somebody's birthday party, you know, I, so it, Mm -hmm. in a bit of a way, it kind of gave me a bit of a negative relationship with food. And since then, that's why I'm so fortunate to be able to have kind of built a bit more balance back into my lifestyle, because I'm such a huge advocate of that. And for me, that's why I actually decided to train, um, extend my training in eating disorders because I'm passionate about mindset and having a healthy relationship with food because it's so important not to be food phobic. Um, you know, I had a lot of digestive issues that, you know, were triggering, well, I thought was triggered by certain foods. And every time I was at a restaurant, I was almost fearful of foods you know, if I was ordering something that something was going to set off a symptom. And I think if you have a negative thought around a food, it's going to incite a symptom in and of itself. So exploring the mindset is such a key, key part of recovery as well with me. So I'd say it's kind of the diet with exploring, you know, stress and lifestyle strategies on top of mindset um, and your environment, really. Definitely. So what was the turning point for you? When did you see your health really start to improve? Was there a particular point when it all just started going upwards in terms of your health? Yeah, I mean, definitely with, I mean, the diet changes really helped in terms of kind of getting my gut better track. But I'd say it was that in combination with the, you know, the mindset. As soon as my mindset was kind of shifted, I I started to kind of view things through a lens of, just living my life rather than a lens of having a chronic illness. And I think people so easily have that tendency to feel like they are, oh, I can't do that because I've got a chronic illness or I can't do that Mm -hmm. because, or I can't eat that because this might happen. So a lot of the time, you know, I was looking at my life through that lens. And I think, because I think there's never any, some people say to me like, oh, when did you know you were recovered? But actually, I don't, I don't think there's ever a set kind of moment where, you know, you wake up one day and you're symptom free, things start to gradually shift. And you know, your health starts to improve where you start to live your life. And you don't worry about the the tiny symptom that maybe doesn't crop up, you know, you might start to have a bit of fatigue here and there, but either you start to associate that as just normal tiredness, you know, environmental tiredness, or you've maybe done a bit too much work, or you've normal tiredness that's not associated with me. So you start to kind of view things through that lens rather than through having this chronic illness. And that was the case for me. I started to kind of, obviously my health was improving along the way. 
it's a topsy-turvy journey with ME because you obviously have your ups and then you have your downs and setbacks. But slowly, as the years kind of went on, I had less setbacks or I'd have a longer period of feeling better before a setback occurred. So that's essentially what happened where I kind of had a long period of feeling great and then maybe a setback would have occurred and then that would extend and I'd feel great for longer. And then I just started to live my life. And if I did have the odd symptom reoccurrence, then that was fine. And I just started to kind of look through the lens of starting to live my life. And I think the evidence started to build in the fact that I was doing more things and I was able to start to run my business and achieve my goals and, you know, exercise more, etc. So yeah, so I think that was kind of the turning point doing the mindset training in combination with the food. I think, I think all of it had its part to play. Every bit of it was important. Oh, that's so inspiring. As you say, that was kind of like the missing piece of the puzzle, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, I love that. So now talk us through, so for anyone listening who might have ME or chronic fatigue, or they might know somebody experiencing this, what are some step-by-step processes? I know we talked about a lot of the diet and lifestyle stuff. So where should they get started in terms of what tests do they need to go and do? What basic things can they start doing to start their journey to wellness? I'd say, um, first of all, as I've said previously, personalization is so key. First of all, try not too much to kind of look on on the internet and, and read negative stories and compare yourself with others. Somebody might say that they've got better doing this or doing something in two months. And, you know, your own journey is unique and everybody mm-hmm. is so completely different. I think if, when it comes to working with a practitioner, so if I was seeing a client in my clinic, I would use functional testing. This really helps me to uncover what functional imbalances are really occurring and driving certain symptoms. And then as a result, that can really help to target strategic intervention when it comes to the nutrition and the lifestyle strategy. So typically what I would do with clients is really look into their gut function. I think the gut is absolutely crucial when it comes to any and chronic fatigue because the gut is the root of our health. We have 70% of our immune system in there. We produce a lot of our neurotransmitters there as well, which are key for our mood. So it really is the root and actually looking at how you're digesting and you're absorbing your nutrients through doing a stool test, for example, and understanding if there's any inflammation, if there's any kind of dysbiosis or, you know, imbalances in the bacterial levels and really helping to understand that would be a real key strategy in helping with the dietary interventions and also the lifestyle interventions and if there's any supplementation that's needed as well. And then other tests that I might do is looking at your hormones. So adrenals, you know, adrenal testing is key. That's looking at things like your cortisol response and that's a key stress hormone. Obviously, that's often triggered quite a lot in those who've got ME and chronic fatigue. So looking at the hormonal profiles and also toxicity screening as well. So some people might have had some form of exposure to heavy metals or things like mold or lots of chemicals. So sometimes they can be what's getting into play in terms of ME and specifically affecting your energy levels because we essentially have these tiny little energy factory power plants in our cells and they're called mitochondria. So the Mm -hmm. mitochondria produce these tiny little molecules called ATP and they are what basically produce our energy. But often we can sometimes get infections, we could get the dysbiosis, so the bacterial imbalance. And these things can really impact our ability to produce this ATP. 
So sometimes that could be what's getting in the way of causing that chronic fatigue. So it's really trying to kind of interpret what is the cause for you, you know, seeing if there's an adrenal insufficiency or a nutritional deficiency. And really, it's about working one to one. And until I've seen that client face to face and learn a little bit about their background, that's kind of how I start to interpret, okay, which tests would I use? What strategies would I use with that specific client? Absolutely. Yeah. Before you do anything, you need to work out what's going on. And as you say, it's very different for every person that presents in clinic. Great advice. So, Lauren, what can somebody do naturopathically through diet, lifestyle and nutrition to improve their chronic fatigue as a starting point? So once they've got the testing and they know, you know, what they need to do, what are some basic steps that they can do to start improving their health? We've kind of discussed a little bit about nutrition. So obviously that would be something that you'd probably want to work with a practitioner on. Um, but some key things that you can really do if you have ME and you're looking to really improve your health is really explore how stress is affecting you. Stress is such a key facet when it comes to recovery from chronic fatigue syndrome because it perpetuates a lot of the symptoms that are occurring. What you want to do is figure out where stress is cropping up in your life. And sometimes you might not think you're stressed, but you actually are, or you're dealing with a lot of heavy emotions. So sometimes people might have experienced trauma earlier on in their lives that's caused, uh, you know, significant stress. And some people don't realize until a later date that that's actually perpetuating a lot of their issues. So kind of looking at healing stress and anxiety through practicing work on your breathing you know, just trying to get that parasympathetic nervous system into a healing state, because no matter what changes you make to your diet, if your body is in a stressed out state, your gut's not going to absorb the nutrients, your gut's not going to work effectively, your body's not going to be able to heal itself. So you've got to really focus on getting your mindset and your stress correct. So that's something I typically work on with a lot of my clients. So I run 12-week virtual mindset coaching calls with ME sufferers, and that allows us all to share with each other because I think having that openness and community to just share how you're feeling, share any stresses, but just learn tips and techniques from each other's about how to deal with stress as well. It's just such a key, key thing. Um, but just feeling like you've you know really tackled that is going to be a great start. But also as well, having patience. I think, you know, having the patience to understand that this is a process. It's not something that happens overnight and your journey will be topsy-turvy. It will be up and down. But just try and feel grateful for the process. I always use the quote, slow progress is still progress. So just have that patience that you're still making progress no matter how small it is. But also pacing yourself as well. So not necessarily exerting yourself or pushing past the boundary limits. You know, some people tend to, with ME, if they feel like they've got a sudden burst of energy, they go out and spend it and overexerting past your boundaries at that point, because what often happens is you have a crash. So you have to really sit there. And as I said, patience is key. Sit there within your boundary limits until that energy reserve increases so that you're feeling like you're gaining more in terms of your boundaries and not pushing past them until a certain time limit where you're able to kind of feel resilient against them. Yeah, that's a great tip. And I think even for people that don't have ME, pacing yourself, because I think we all have this tendency to just load ourselves up with things to do and be so busy all the time that we eventually crash and burn and it's just not a good place to be. Exactly. So I think it's like filling up your cup with daily acts of self-care, you know, whether it's lighting a candle in the bath, going for a walk, doing some yoga, 
whatever it is that works for you. You know, it might be just managing to cook yourself a meal on a night. You know, that might be some an act of self-care for somebody because some people don't always necessarily have the energy to do those things. So just feeling grateful for what you have and just taking one small moment out of your day to practice some form of self-nurturing. Definitely. So self-care is huge. Most of us don't do enough of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Now, are there any particular foods that you would recommend as sort of like energy boosting foods that you've found that were very helpful for yourself? Um, I mean, for me, I think it's trying to figure out, you know, what, what works for everyone. For me, foods that really have benefited me, having like fresh berries, you know, in the morning, if I'm having, say, porridge for breakfast, berries, obviously a really key food because they're full of antioxidants. They're very low GI. So I I love blueberries. I love raspberries. And they're obviously super colorful and they add lots of color to your plate. Things like green leafies, also super keen. You can obviously add all of these into smoothies, which are very light on the digestive system. But yes, things like spinach and kale, Swiss chard, they're all fantastic foods that you can try and get into the diet, which just pack a real wealth of vitamins and minerals and are just going to really help to kind of up your nutrition and make sure you're not getting like any kind of deficiencies. And yeah, I'd say fresh berries, green leafies, and just making sure you've got more plant-based foods on your plate, really. The more fiber, the better, because fiber is going to help to feed your bacteria levels in your gut. Um, they produce beneficial anti-inflammatory substances called short-chain fatty acids. So we want to make sure we're getting more plants. Absolutely. And the more colors, the better. Exactly. So, so just for those listening who want to make some dietary changes, could you just give us a little snapshot of what you might eat on a daily basis? So, for example, what would you have on a typical breakfast, lunch and dinner and maybe some snacks during your ME when you were going through the ME and you had to really strip things back? Yeah, I'll just kind of walk you through a typical day. So for me, I'd probably, I mean, this is kind of when I wasn't on the full on paleolithic plan, um, which is, I guess, a little bit more structured. But generally speaking, I could start the day with porridge oats, with some almond milk, a handful of fresh berries, maybe a spoonful of nut butter. And for lunch, I'd probably have a fillet of salmon, which would be freshly cooked with, I mean, these are on days when I had time, by the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but yeah, a fillet of salmon with some broccoli, a little bit of spinach or, or fresh kind of side salad, and then some sweet potatoes, maybe as a side. And then as a dinner option, probably something quite similar. I'd have like a source of protein, whether it would be fish or chicken. And then I would maybe have a little bit of beans, whether it was, say, butter beans, you know, in a kind of salad option as like a carbohydrate source, lots of fiber in there as well with, again, a nice side salad, a sprinkling of nuts and seeds and some avocado for healthy fats. In terms of snacks, I would, you know, I didn't always snack too much because I I felt like those meals would always kind of keep my hunger at bay. But if I was wanting a snack, then I'd probably have some fresh berries or fruit, maybe a handful of nuts like almonds or Brazil nuts. And that was, that was kind of it. I guess when I was stripping things back, that's what I was doing, but it was also fueling on lots of water as well. So just making sure I kept myself really well hydrated, but I was just trying to keep things really simple and just really basic. You know, I'm a bit more inventive now in terms of snack, snack options and 
different recipes and things like that and smoothies, etc. But yeah, those are kind of the, the meals that I would kind of construct when I was unwell. Fantastic. Simple, but all sounds very yummy. It's all fresh, basically. <laughs> all <Yeah>. fresh. <laughs> that yeah. is the key. And as Lauren mentioned, she's got lots of lovely recipes on her website. You can also find some great recipes on the CNN website. So I think having that inspiration and knowing what to cook and getting ideas is key, isn't it, when you're trying to change your diet? Yeah, I think I think definitely you need to have have a plan in place so that you know what you're buying from the shops, what meals you're going to make. Do you have the time to make it? So kind of prepping things in advance, batch cooking, etc. And yeah, just having a bit of a clearer picture and an understanding so that you can actually put those plans in place. Thank you so much for sharing your story and all your wealth of knowledge with us. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So Lauren, if anyone wants to find out some more information about Emmy, obviously they can find some on your website and I think you've got some great blogs on there about Emmy. Are there any books in particular people could read? Yes. So well, actually, uh, I'm actually writing a book at the moment all on Emmy and chronic fatigue syndrome, just so that I can compile all of my information in one place, you know, in terms of my clinical practice and For so many questions that I often get asked in terms of the recovery journey, I'm going to be putting all of that into a book with a lot of information and evidence-based research all on chronic fatigue and the process of recovery. So I'm looking forward to releasing that next year, so 2021. Fantastic. That's amazing. And I think that's a book that will be needed by so many people. Brilliant. So yeah, so keep your eyes peeled on Lauren's website and social media, and I'm sure she'll be releasing more information about that very soon. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you for listening and a big thank you to Lauren for sharing her inspiring story with us. You can find all the information we discussed today and more about Lauren in the show notes on the CNN website at www.cnmpodcast.com. And if you're interested in learning more about nutrition or naturopathy, check out CNM's short course, Nutrition for Everyday Living or the Naturopathic Nutrition Diploma for a more in-depth study program. Join us again next week when I talk to natural chef and the founder of the beauty of eczema, Camille Knowles, about how she overcame chronic eczema and built a thriving business helping others do the same. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe through your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss any future episodes. While you're there, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review as this helps us when creating new content.